Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy. Standing six foot two, three hundred and four pounds. He's on creatine, so he's holding some water weight from the South Shore, Nassau County, Long Island. It's John Gabris. All you gotta do is trust me. Jackson, Maine, dated reference. Abortion is healthcare. Less dated. Keep it up, brother. Love your POV. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout out. Arthur's napping on the living room couch. Fuck it, he's not even in here, but Gabris doesn't know how to change the intro. Also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, <laughs> the guy behind Swan Boy and those are the root tales of magic, it's Branson Reese. What's up? It's your number two fuck boy <laughs> coming in. Fuck uh, yeah. What? <laughs> Hell fucking yeah, Branso. Welcome to the fucking pod, buddy. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. We had a recent reunion of sorts. Uh, we... I we had I was talking about this with someone today. We met in Sketch 101 in what would be 07 or 08, probably. It was like Bush was president. <laughs> so that's, like that's how long ago it was. <laughs> it's like three presidents ago. That's yeah. Kids are like studying the era that we met during. <laughs> right. It's like in history books is when we met in Adam Conover's shout out another former guest of the pod level one sketch class and. And, you know, follow each other on social media and then never really saw each other in person again until two weeks ago or whatever it was. (laughs) Like truly 14 years, 15 years later being like, hey, we were in level one together, right? Like, holy shit. And now we and then we did our friend Cullen's uh, football friends who are gambling podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Listeners, if you can go back in time, go check out that show. It was a blast. (laughs) It was a blast. I it's got to be up somewhere. Uh, Cullen, the host and former guest of this pod, almost died recording it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was harrowing. <laughs> yeah. But you came on and ran a little D and D game, and despite quote unquote knowing each other for 15, 20 years at this point, 
I I knew that you host. I knew that you do rude tales and magic. Right, right. But I didn't know like D and D was so like and getting to play again, even under the insane auspices which we played. Eagles were fighting fire chiefs in order to keep the Super Bowl theme alive. Right. So it was fucking bananas and weird. But I was like, oh, this is so fucking fun doing it again. Even in this, that's how much I miss and like D and D. That even doing the most convoluted fucking um hyphenated uh abbreviated version of it was thrilling and you were a great dm on the premise ever yeah you were a great player it was (laughs) i mean that was like calling that D &D. it's like if you had told gary gygax like if you would let him look into a crystal ball like one day this will be and like watched what we were doing and like this will be associated with you he would have killed himself Right. Yeah. He would have been like, where is the, the, where is the bag of holding? What the fuck is this shit? Yeah. Just give me a single troll or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, what's really, I, I am not to be, I'm not like a purist in any way, but I love old high fantasy forgotten realm style D and D like, but one of the coolest things about tabletop is how it's just fucking proliferated and you could play any, like, I'm doing some other. There's a headgum podcast called Sitcom D and D where they're doing like it's oh, yeah. sunny as D and D. That everyone's there's all kinds of tabletop games being created and being performed now, and it's like it's so wild how cool D and D or like the medium that D and D or tabletop gaming has become. It's it's we it's it has become this like like Q tip or something. or just like the brand name for it is D and D, even though that's like one game. But there's a but there's like all these. Do you know lasers and feelings? No, it's this. It's great. It's this like one pager, and it's just this like Star Trek like TTRPG that's very very simple. You can like learn it in two minutes and be like ready to go. Uh, you just use like some six sided die, but everyone's hacked it. So there's like there's like Sopranos versions of it. That's there's, so like, fun everything it's and it's i've hacked it it's the easiest thing in the world to do like we were running a vampire game on a rude tales like bonus thing and we were playing vampire the masquerade but that i fucking i hate that game so much i was (laughs) so miserable playing it the first time so i just like hacked lasers and feelings to be like blood and culture (laughs) hell yeah that's uh that's fucking well you know what you said that thing about gary gygax i would Take him out of the equation. If you showed me a crystal ball of like sure. the shame I felt around D and D and the hiding of D and D I did from my like peers and uh, co uh, coworkers, classmates, and shit like that, uh, I and now it's like it's like everywhere, and it's like all yeah. different. And dude, even like small minded John Gabris of the eighties and nineties, I played with a I played with a girl once in like the eighties, and and now it's like. It's for all gender. Everyone's playing. And it's like, that's, it's so, yeah. and it makes total sense based on what the game is, where you pretend to be whatever you want. It's like, of course, people who are dealing with identity stuff are going to come to this. I I certainly was on my small scale, cishet white guy, but I was learning that I was an artist and a, and a fantasy head and all that shit through the game. And people are learning so much about themselves playing the game. And if you showed me that shit when I was like fucking 13, I'd be like, what? Dude, you could, they're like celebrities that play D&D. Like Vin Diesel oh, writing yeah. the foreword for the D&D book was like an enormous thing for me to find out in like an early internet era that Vin Diesel was a huge D&D head. That like made it's, me so fucking happy. 
It was just the guy. Who was the guy in like War Games and like Revenge of the Nerds? He was like Mandark later on. Like that guy, that like iconic oh, yeah. 80s nerd. That was like the only. I don't even know if he played. He just like seemed to play, you know, like it was like that. And now it's everyone. And it's I get it. It's like I'm sympathetic to anyone playing to like discover a new side of it because I've played before and just had the feeling of like, what if I was strong? Right. I mean, like, that is the fantasy. That is the uh, um, you know, I self-identifying I'm doing. What if I made positive choices and helped people? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, because it's like I could be strong at any given moment, but that would take so much work. And like we were talking earlier about how lazy we are. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. We, I'm going to die before I get strong. Yeah, right. And I think what got off that exact sentiment, I think that's what got me into D&D when I was a kid, which I think and I was a comic book kid and a D&D kid and like a fantasy movie kid. Yeah, and Magic yeah. the Gathering, all that nerd ephemera shit I was really into. And they, they, they had some overlap of fandoms. But I see now in like the love of superhero shit is what I liked about D&D, too. Like just yeah. that small possibility that you, you aren't yourself. And like without hard work, like a spider just bites you and you're super strong and cool and can climb on the buildings and like and kiss and fuck MJ. Like that like oh, for me, dude. Yeah. Dude, I dude. can't wait to if I was Peter Parker, I'd be fingering MJ every weekend <laughs> at Bronx Science or Queen Science, whatever fucking school he goes to. But like it's, that vibe is what D&D did for me, where I was like, I'm a lazy, like kind of loser, dumpy sure. kid. Who doesn't have any real physical capabilities, but now I'm an elven ranger with plus three to my fucking bow and I have an 18 in dex, you know, and like this oh, is cool. Yeah, I'm fast now. I mean, it's a power fantasy. It's just like a completely harmless power fantasy for kids that like and there's like structure to it. So it's like because you just like I, I was the victim of this constantly. It's like if you just give a kid like a blank sheet of paper and like just imagine it gets like real weird and dark really quick. So, it get, you know, there's some sort of like there's some structure around it. And like, I play with kids now. I run D and D for like a, a group, two groups of 11 year old kids. And like, they, it takes very little, you know, they like, they'll just go off in whatever, like fucked up bizarre direction. And like, sometimes you rein them in and sometimes it's like, go man, go like, <laughs> that's awesome. I didn't know that. Well, no, yeah, that see another cool thing about the, like it's gotten that popular that like, all you needed back in the day was some, they used to say papal and pencil, papal, papal, paper, pencil, dice. The church's friends. consent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All you needed was a papal approval, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, to just go to the Vatican and have the conference say that it's, although I'm old enough that playing D&D, my mom didn't like it because of Satan. Like, oh, because the uh, satanic panic stuff, right? Yeah, that was like around like the the uh, the Tom Hanks movie Mazes and Monsters or whatever, where like him and his friends play like a D&D parable game, like a D&D like game. And right. Then they get into it, and, like chain them up. And like the big urban legend was like these kids were only eating bread and were chained up one of their kids in the basement. Jesus. It's like, what the fuck? Oh, it's the parents fault at that point. That's not D&D. Yeah, fault. Jesus like, Christ. Let's <laughs> If your kids are downstairs for four days and you don't go down and see one kid chained up, that's what makes me think it never, obviously it never happened. Of course. And also if the year, you're right. It's like, if they're one board game away from like bondage, like <laughs> right. it's not the board game. <laughs> right. <fault>. Exactly. 
It's like my kids are playing Monopoly. Now they're all slumlords. It's like, no, that, yeah, that's I, not how it works. And it's funny because when I was a kid, the big like moral panic was smoking. Everyone thought smoking was bad for kids. And now we know it's fine and kids smoke right? all the time. Yeah. It was a big moral thing. Christians were all up in arms about yeah, smoking. Yeah. Stupid. But, yeah, I was. that's what I was going to ask next. Uh, I want to get back to this running games for 11-year-olds, but what was your foray into D&D? It was pretty casual for a long time. It was just like I would go, I would like read a source book at like a Borders or a books or whatever, like Clinton administration, like mega bookstore there Hell was. Yeah. Uh, and I would just like read those and I would think it was really, and I would like the, I was the same like with like Magic the Gathering. Like I'd get, I had like a pack or two of Magic cards and I never learned to play, but I just loved. But it was cool art. You liked fantasy yeah. shit? Like. Yeah, I, I love the accoutrement, like the art, and there's like a guy, his face is getting ripped off, and there's like flavor text that's like a chilling consequence. And it's like, right. what does that mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, love that. I loved all that. And then, like, when it came, and this is reflected in my modern relationship with it, then when it came time to like learn the rules of the game, I was like, oh, fuck it. No, it's like, it's too hard. There's too many rules. So I would just sort of like keep it as like a thing I would like read about and like and you know i would get into fantasy stuff but then like i was in middle school like late middle school early high school when the two towers came out and that when the two towers came down yeah when they well i was it was like right after i remember there was talk about when the two towers came out people were like should they call it that like is that disrespectful yeah, so, you know, the towers fell, and so I was like, no more fantasy for me. I, I got to live in the real world where there's consequences. <laughs> I joined the fire department at 12. <laughs> I was in Birmingham, Alabama at the time. We thought we were next. Everyone in Birmingham was like, they're coming for the Vulcan statue. <laughs> I know it. It has to be. That's the list. <laughs> it, uh, so that, the, well, but the two towers came out, and I looked like Gollum even more so like at that age. And that like put me hard off of fantasy. I was like, I'm fucking sick of guys in the hallway being like, Gollum. And, like, <laughs> so I, I like, Oh, I don't, I see. Yeah, I did see return of the King. Cause it was good. But like, <laughs> that was like it for me in fantasy for years. I was just like, well, wow, I look like one of the guys. That's, that's it. I'm done. You walked away from it. Yeah. You had to protect yourself, your emotional core. You could not deal with that. It did nothing intense. too. It's like when a guy is like pushing you in the hallway, like you look like Gollum. It does nothing to be like, oh, but I don't care about fantasy. Like that doesn't make <laughs> right. him not. Doesn't protect you. It still hurts yeah. your feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know the reference that you're abusing me with. <laughs> this like- extremely <laughs> popular movie that's like sweeping the <laughs> Academy Awards. I don't yeah. know it. Yeah. I mean, my name is Gabris, so I, I fucking you get I it. didn't. I, yeah, I didn't have to look any way for me to be bullied from the sure. jump. <laughs> <laughs> that's fu- that's. That's fun. I started I started playing in sixth grade. Turns out I'm a little older than you. So this would be like 93 or 94. I started playing. Okay. And the way the way I played was a kid. I moved to a new town. This kid was like, you ever played D&D? But I loved like shit like that. I had read the Lord of the Rings at that point. Right. Like I was into that kind of stuff. And this kid was like, my sister taught me D&D. And like, it's a fun game. And me and a couple of guys who I'm two of them I'm still friends with. This guy who brought us all together, the DM, I'm not friends with any. I wasn't friends with after a couple of years, but the rest of us kind of branched off and became stayed friends and stayed. Those are the guys at 
this past year at 41 years old, we all went to Gen Con together and we've been playing. Oh, we talked about it. We just missed each other there. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I should have assumed I saw Jared Logan and I was like, I should have known other professional D&D or career D&Ders, whatever you guys refer to yourselves as. I should have assumed that you would be there. If Uh, I ever call myself a career D&Der, you have to, this is, I'm telling you that you have to kill me. No, that's fine. Yeah, my dad is, I can hear my dad's grave rumbling as he's trying to roll over right now (laughs) as I'm talking about this. But we played, uh, this would have been first edition and we played in uh, a really dumb way because we I, we first played one on one, so we made full parties. So I had like a fighter, a cleric, a rogue, and a wizard in my party, and I operated all four of them. So you were doing like Final Fantasy style. Yes, we had because he had metal miniatures too, and that was what I thought was an integral part of the game for a long sure. time was all the little miniatures. So. And then when we all started playing together, we would eventually have like 10 person parties because it'd be like, I have two fight, Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So, and my buddy was like, I have three fighters. And it's like a great, like, that's well, super you can't helpful. bench them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're just all out there like, four, you know, and he's got to create monsters. He's like, okay, 20 kobolds come to fight you 14. <laughs> like so <laughs> much dice, so involved. I, I had just moved to this town. So I bring D&D back to my friends back in my other town who are not oh. nerds. And I'm like, dude, this I want I'm so addicted to it that I don't want to hang out with them if we're not playing d Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to yeah, do anything yeah. but D&D. So I'm hanging out with my old friends and they're like, want to shoot hoops and shit we used to do? And I'm like, no, there's this game called Dungeons Dragons. Like, tell your mom <laughs> to buy it. Like, and then we didn't have metal miniatures or really know what we were doing in that party. So we were playing with pieces of paper with stuff written on it. Like, and sure. Then, yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, that's working. And then a couple years later that uh, or like a year later, it, deep into the game, that dude, Mark, the original DM says, my sister's in home from college. She wants to run a D&D game. Do you guys want to come over? And we were like, oh, yeah. And it was like kind of like in that era where you're like, and Mark is going to play instead of DM. He's been DMing us this whole time. We're in fucking sixth and seventh grade. We're all right. dumb asses. I'm like, he's like a genius DM. I wonder what he's like as a player. <laughs> sure. His, his sister is like kind of pretty wearing a cloak with like candles lit. She's in college. Holy shit. We're all 13. And, she, and I'm like, are we going to run with our old parties? And she's like, no, everyone make one character. And I want you to I want you to tell me about the and that activated the other side of D&D to me, the emotional, right. creative acting uh, in, interpersonal side. That's Before like that, you're like Lennon hearing Elvis on the radio like, oh, it can be like this. Like Yes. And I didn't know at the time how much creating things on the fly and pretending to be characters and responding at ad libs would be like what I'm good at and enjoy most in life. Of course. And at the time I, I am a little, you know, spectrum with rules sure. and damage and dice and like all that. So I was getting activated and all, well, actually uh, because I'm behind him and using the, like enjoying all the rules. Cause I brought over some of that shit from video games of like double damage on the backstab. Right. And all of a sudden these two worlds collide in this one night. And then I also think being a 13 year old boy and having a female DM who was older and in a cloak and doing cat and like, being like Rhiannon, you must, and I was just like, oh, and that solidified the game for me, and I got, I fell in love, but then didn't play for like, I played all the way through like up until high school, then got into high school things, 
That went out sure. the window and then didn't play again until I was like in my 30s, like moved to L.A. And some other oh, comedy wow. people were like, yeah, we're getting we're uh, doing a and d game over here, like Charlie Sanders, friend of the pod and like some other people. And I was like, dude, I haven't played in forever, but I've been talking about it and uh, uh, conversing about it with other nerds for so long. And then I got back into it. And then it, that got me back into reading fantasy. And that was like 2012. And it's been like, I don't even play that frequently anymore. I play on these rare occasions, but it's like, it's on Unreal. my mind so much. It's like such a, and you know, I, I read Stephen Colbert's writings on D&D. He's a big right. D&D guy and an improv guy. And you see like, oh yeah, improvising as a character is what the Colbert rapport was. And that is technically also what playing uh, Valdar, the half-elven uh, uh, druid ranger multi-class or whatever. You know, it's like, I'm improvising as a character. That's it. That's what Brewer Loggerhead would do, you know? <laughs> like, it's an incredible, like, thing for, like, improvisers should, like, try playing it at least once of just, like, oh, you really, you're just, like, unbound by yourself. You get to just be this little guy. Yeah. If you're a person who likes the, if this is true, then what else is true or world building of it yeah. all? You know what I mean? Like locking into that with D and D is like so thrilling to me playing along in those weird, like I couldn't even help but do it when we were doing fire chiefs versus Eagles, you know, all of a sudden I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm running with my sword out. Like I'm making like, and I'm like, Oh, cause now when I play, I bring my ability to talk on the fly and create from that. I've got from years of podcasting. I bring that into D and D in a way that is like new to me, but it's like a whole nother flavor of the game. Cause all you need is one DM one time to go like, and the, the mind flayer looks at you and is like, ah, and like make one noise or one yeah. face. And you're like, all right, we're, we're stepping it up. But this is what, this is what it is now. And that gets so fucking exciting. It was, I mean, you really did like bring it in that, you know, it was like, it's like a 10 minute, like D for like a live audience, <laughs> but it was, it was like, Oh yeah, this guy hates those fucking Eagles. Like, <laughs> I was like really I make, I've learned like just making those big fun choices and like and back in the day you would just try to make like the most OP'd character. Like of that's course. all that mattered. And then even when I played again in LA, some of my friends who were new to it, like one guy wore plate mail and did archery and never joined like the fray. And I'm like, I would eventually be like, Drew, like, it's a game. Like I, I get you want to like survive, yeah. but like this is where you can make fun choices. Maybe you only wear cloth because you are a, a, an archer and you and you don't and like that you can play. And I was like explaining like and weakness is like actually because I was the same way for the first five years. I was like, I'm a fighter, high constitution, high strength, wear plate mail, use a sword. Like you just want armor class, oh, yeah. tobacco, damage. And you're like, all my stats kill. are 20. I rolled it somehow. Like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But then you when you get to be a little like more grown up, you're like you like just like movies. You're like, oh, I appreciate the nuance or the gray areas or like the, you know, well, like it's very much. It's like the way because, I you know, when I play with kids and I play with adults, the big difference is like who likes to fail and who likes to lose. And like kids don't like that. And I don't blame them because that's all their fucking life is like being told. No, yeah, it's going to be like, plenty of failing in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know what, kids for the next two hours. Sure. Everything works. Like, I know you're all cheating your <laughs> dice rolls. I don't care. You don't you're going to learn not to do that later. You don't need to learn that from me. Like, right, right. But like it, what's also like fun about it like starting off especially is like you're unburdened from needing to be funny. You know, it's like you're improvising these choices, but there's no expectation that it's like funny. You're like, yeah, I'm a knight. I'm doing this for my, like my fallen wife or whatever. It's like, that's yeah. not a funny situation. <laughs> right, like, right. 
And so if it's not funny, it's like, yeah, no, I just, I feel it. And then like, you know, you you have a little bit more wiggle room than you do. Yeah, and, like, and that feels like powerful w- when you're oh, okay with that. When like I played like a, dr- like a, a dwarf who was supposed to be the heir to a brewing fortune, but because he was an alcoholic lost the, and he was bitter about it, it and, and dr- drank it all away and would charge into every battle trying to die, but wanted a glorious death. Like, uh, and like and it was just hook. like it was it was such a fun thing to play of like I would always make you and I was like I did die and I was like okay I'll sure. die. yeah like eventually I died and I was like but that was really fun and I was like learning that not w- and that's a great rule to learn in comedy eventually that not winning is also successful like, yeah and that's like it, within the art form obviously like <laughs> you want to win pitches or whatever but you don't want to win sure. characters don't need to win to be fun like well like we've the- all seen people go on stage and just like never be wrong and like do like well that sucks and like shit on everyone it's like that's fucking awful to watch it's yeah. not funny it's like so some people can do it and it could be funny but like the knowing yeah, yeah. knowing that taking the rake in the face is funnier than pointing at someone and laughing that they took a rake in the face is like that's like a powerful thing yeah. to learn is like oh i should step on the rake but i'll look stupid but i'll get the reaction i'm looking for oh wait i'm a part of a bigger thing and even the team part of D means so much to me like that's such a huge part improv teams sports teams x-men was like my first foray into nerdy oh, sure. shit. you know so like all that stuff is so exciting and then when D, it's like I will do blank. It's like, oh, if you're going to do blank, I'll, oh, you're going to go try to hide in shadows, move silently and get a backstab. Great. I'll come over here and draw their attention. And like, and like that strategizing stuff that you get to have with D&D, where in real life, because of our career options, we're not like, all right, Branson and three friends, here's something. Can you guys solve this? Right. It's like that never really. So like getting to do the play version of that is such a fucking exciting time. Well, you get to explore these other sides of yourself and it's like, all right, what if I was just like a charge in kind of guy or like, what if I was like a real smooth talking, like face of the party, like you just to try it on. And then sometimes right. it's like, oh, actually that really fit that I, I might just be like that. And I didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it turns out this is who I, I'm an alcoholic who drank away his family fortune for real. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I was just thinking when you were like, oh, then all I wanted to do, like, I discovered D&D, then all I wanted to do with my friends was play D&D with them. And I was like, oh, that was like me with drinking. Right. Yeah. yeah drinking in high you school. bring that to your other friends that don't drink when you're like, they're like, oh, I don't drink with my pe- and oh, we're friends from karate or whatever weird sure, thing that gets yeah. you out of your high school friends or your junior high friends. And then you're like. I drink and they're like, oh, we don't drink. It's like, you got to try it. And like you force them because now you like drinking so much. So you're making oh, yeah. them drink. Yeah, it's so. I had that with uh, when I was in Cub Scouts. I never made the jump to Boy Scouts, but I was in Cub Scouts. I made it. to. I didn't even make it like Weeblow. So I was, it was like a Tiger Scout or like Wolf Scout or whatever. And I had a tape. I had like taped an episode of Mystery Science Theater and I was passing it around the boy. And then I like. I was this, I learned later, I was this like Huckleberry Finn character for like other parents. They were like, he's passing around. Like they were describing it like porn or something. It was like, he's passing around this like obscene tape. Like parents, <laughs> like there's like early email and like parents, like be on the lookout for this Branson Reese scout. <laughs> His parents have access to a, a dual deck VHS and he's been making copies or whatever. You're like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah. relax." laughs> 
your kid's gonna be offered like fucking GHB in two weeks. Like just For real. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy MSTK three thousand or MST three K. Um, I that just a, along uh summer camp. This would be like ninety five or ninety six. They're all gonna laugh at you. The Adam Sandler comedy album came out, and the oh, dude, older yeah. kids were quoting it like crazy. And that was my version of that. I came home and I was like, me and my just in front of my mom, being like, "Why don't you play with your cockyballs?" You know, and my mom's like, <laughs> "Hey," and I'm like, "Oh no!" Like I, think I had all these new references to the Sandler album, where it's like, hey, "My bush starts way above her belly button," you know, like I was doing all these dumb, and I barely really know what I'm saying, you know. And my oh, mom sure. is like, "What the fuck?" And so like she calls the camp and is like, "They're sending around some tape," and it's like. The campers are like the camp counselors must have been like, lady, it's fucking it's seven hundred boys in a cab in cabins. Like we cannot stop them cursing. Like, yeah, we- thank God this is it. It gets way worse. <laughs> yeah, than that. yeah. Wait till they start hazing. Yeah. Oh Jesus! I got busted. In, or not I didn't get busted. My dad got busted when I was in second grade because I started walking around school. He showed me Clue, and then I thought the line at the very I didn't get any of like the gay jokes with Mister Green. They're right. like, oh, is he gay? I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Yeah. I thought that came out of nowhere. And I, to this day, I maintain that's actually funnier, I think, than if it's just like he doesn't seem gay. And then <laughs> that's just the last thing he says. Yeah, it's just like a guy who's never mentioned his wife yet just yeah. throws that out at the end. Like, what did you think everyone was going to try to fuck you on the way out of here, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> right? I think that's a funnier. So yeah. I would walk around like second grade saying, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. And then it got back that like, Oh, my dad had shown me Clue, and like he got in trouble for. It's like a harmless movie, but it's totally harmless. It's probably it probably activated you creatively because it's like a fucking well-made, charming ass, fun movie. I'm sure that's what they were really pissed about. It was like, oh, this kid is like thinking oh, he's with his not going to work now. in the yeah. factory in Montgomery <laughs> yeah, like the rest of us or whatever. <laughs> um, well, Someone trying to get off it. the dairy farm. Yeah, <laughs> like what? <laughs> Or the other one was uh, even younger. I I watched Ren and Stimpy a lot, and then that got oh. taken away from me because I called everyone idiot. I just thought it was idiot. funny that he would call yeah. Stimpy an idiot, so I would call people idiot. And then that it was like a they're like, oh dude, like it's like I had been exposed to like a disease or something. Right. Oh, by the way, knowing what you do now with like Swan Boy and shit, like oh Ren, yeah. Ren and Stimpy is like your origin story. Of that's course, like your, yeah. that's your spider bite. <laughs> And then the second people are like, you can't do that. That's just going to make you think about it that much fucking more. Well, then I was like, like Hogan's heroes, like sneaking around my house to just like to watch it. And like, of course, that just made it like, oh, this is the only one that's like hot to the touch. So I got to watch this whenever possible. That's really fun. This is not the same, but I just like uh, triggered a memory when you said that one summer the summer before I moved, my whole family had to live with my grandpa because like we sold our old house and couldn't find a new one yet. Sure. And it was like one summer we lived with my pop up, uh, like a widowed old man who could not stand having three boys and a dog like just uh, dropped on him in the middle of a summer. We're not sure, in school yeah. or working. It's just like so. So they gave us like he put a TV in the basement with cable and like got us Neo rented Neo Geo from video games and more like we were being kind of treated oh, yeah. like and then in hindsight. There was also probably an element for my parents were like, we moved these kids to like live with their grandpa and this sucks for them. So we like we got a lot of and one thing that happened was we kind of like the TV rules were off and we we didn't have many, but 
a lot of it was it's the summer, go outside, or like we can watch oh, you can yeah. watch what we're watching. But all of a sudden it was came like, fuck it. If the kids are downstairs being quiet, it's okay. And I had heard about a show called Beavis and Butthead from a from uh, Danny <laughs> Flammenbaum. Shout him out. Hopefully he's not like a sniper or something like a. Hopefully he's not like a. I have friends anthrax. like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah where you're like he introduced. Uh, he was like told me about this episode of a show called Beavis and Butthead, and I was laughing so hard from him just telling me. So then at the time it's the summer. I don't know when it's on. I know it's on MTV. So we just have MTV on in my pop-up's basement and we're even playing with friends or oh playing God. video games elsewhere and every half hour sprinting down to downstairs to see if Beavis and Butthead is the next show on. Oh my so God. like we're constantly like sometimes we're like well fuck we we had to go get pizza we had soccer practice did we miss Beavis and Butthead and then one time come downstairs like down and I'm like Justin, Jason, to my brothers, like, get down here, it's on. I have chills thinking about it right now, like literally. I, it was like, I mean, yeah, it's like an exciting show, especially for that age of like. It was like fucking Eureka, it. you know. It was like salt. It was like a uh, like uh, Madame Curie, you know. I was like, we did it, and then we sat down and watched Beavis and Butthead, and I could not. And so then my mom comes down. And she's like, "This is the show you guys have been," and and, and it's like. <laughs> Literally, like he's got a frog in his mouth and he bashes him in the head with a baseball bat and is like, "Oh, you blood watch the and first teeth, one. yeah, yeah." And it's like, or what? And all this shit is going on, and my mom's like, "What is this, Jonathan?" And I'm like, "Uh, uh it's called Beavis and Butthead. It's a cartoon." Oh, and then, like a music video starts, and I'm like, "And there's music and stuff." And so my mom's <laughs> culture, get, and, yeah. And then the next thing is like, eh, eh, "Yeah, get it, get it," you know. And it's like all that <laughs> nasty shit. And I'm like, and I can see the look in my mom's face of like, "We're here for a couple more months." Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. But it was this moment where this show that existed, on, and then that just activated. I, I, it can't be. It's got to be part of why I wanted to do comedy, because it's just like the show was super funny. Hearing about it was funny. I literally chased it, found it, saw that it affected my mom, just added all this weight to the idea of this cartoon, Beavis and Butthead, Ren and Stimpy, whatever it is. All of a sudden, it's carrying more weight than they intended for it. It's like, oh, just, yeah. Just say no to drugs. I was just talking about this recently on a podcast. Just say no to drugs and uh, abstinence are just two ways where it's like, then you try one hit of weed or one hand job and you're like, wait a minute. They're wrong. This shit fucking rules. And it felt like that stuff feels good anyway. You know, like best case scenario, like the most liberal, like whatever, like that stuff feels good. But when it is now, it's like you've seen the lamest 10 adults you've ever met in your life being like, now remember, it's actually pretty cool not to do this stuff. That just makes it all the more appealing. Yeah. <laughs> like, get the right. And then also like when you try one, when you try one hit of weed and you're like, this is delightful. And then you're like, wait, why am I saying no to all drugs? This is yeah. seems harmless and fun. Why, why am I saying no to sex? Coming feels awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is like more dangerous. Cause then it's like, then kid, like, then you want to try heroin. It's like, it's just like, Oh, I should just do heroin. <laughs> like, Right. If weed feels this good, like, why not? Then what else are they lying to me about? You know, if sex feels this good, let me have my gym teacher run the train on me. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> not to pull specifics from my life. But. Sure, sure. It's <laughs> just out of thin air. I had that later on with Jackass. Too. That was the other one. I, I remember uh, parents having like a huge problem with Jackass, which like. I was going to watch. There was no stopping me from watching that. But like, and there was no stopping me and my friends from like filming ourselves. I film. there's somewhere there's footage. Oh, Jesus. 
there's footage of me somewhere getting intentionally hit by a car. I just like, I'm like, Hey, I'm Branson Reese and I might die. And I like get on a skateboard and just go out into the street as a car is coming. Brother and it hits me. Brother, this is fucking wild. I was, <laughs> me and my friends made a sketch show called Studio 53 because that was the number we all loved. Uh-huh. And in it, one of the bits is not a jackass setup, but I'm setting up that I'm commentating on a sporting match and a car hits me. And I, for real. <laughs> and it's like my friend driving my car hits me. I'm 16 or 17 years old. Like I'm, I'm yeah. grown up. I'm making this bad. That is so fucking funny. Like, and I, I was a huge Jackass fan, too. Like, I fucking loved yeah. that shit. I couldn't get enough of it. That's so fucking funny. Mine was hitting a stranger him. who's the... Th- and, like, he instantly could tell. He's like, oh, my God, I was just filmed hitting a child with a car. And so, like, we just bolt because we don't want to get in trouble. He also doesn't want to get in trouble, you know? So it's, like, it's just chaos. for. So he's just screaming, and we're running, and I never seen him again. Wait, you, like, stepped in front of it to get Yeah, I was by? intentionally, I was like, oh, I see a car coming here. It's We were on, like, a cul-de-sac, so it was, like, slow. Right, yeah. I, yeah, like, yeah, I know I won't. stepping into a highway or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. But that's fucking- I'm still here, so it was fine. Like, <laughs> we just, like, ran into the woods. I got hit by a car, started looking like Gollum. And get, you know, that changed yeah, my whole life. I looked totally normal before that. <laughs> that is really funny, getting hit by a fucking car. Oh. Dude, along those lines, we used to fake fight on the side of the road and make it look really, really bad and then have cars pull over to try to break it up and then (laughs) all get up and like laugh and run away. Like event, like, you know, like grownups would eventually be like, we're in a church parking lot with one kid on the ground, fake (laughs) punching him and fake stomping on him. And then someone pulls over and is like, hey, knock it off. And the kid gets up and is like, ah. And we all run away laughing and thinking like that was hysterical. <laughs> we would do this at school. We would we had like these big like there were these huge windows for like ground level classrooms at our school. And like when we were out, we were, like skipping or whatever. But there was like three feet of just like brick or cement wall where you couldn't see. And so we would like stage little scenes for like bored kids who happened to be looking out the window. We would like <laughs> hit the shit out of each other or like <laughs> one of us would get on all fours and one would like cross his legs and like pretend he was like meditating and floating. And floating. Like, <laughs> it was one time we like pretended to use guns. And I remember that was like, that was when somebody stepped in and they were like, Hey, don't do this anyway, but especially don't like pretend to have guns at a school. Like, <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's fair. The big one that had like a, a fun we thought was a fun harmless prank but ended up being a big conversation was at a sleepover party a group like maybe sixth grade fifth grade or whatever a few of the kids i said there was one kid that we didn't normally hang out with all the time who was sleeping over as well and i was like i'm gonna have a fake seizure but let's set up that i'm epileptic (laughs) so we can scare the shit out of this kid and so we Classic. talk about it and I was like, oh, sorry, I can't I can't play this game anymore. I, I, I could maybe get a seizure. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. And everyone's like, it's OK, Gabers, go sit down. You know, don't worry. Take a break. And I'm like, oh, yeah, thank you. Just being good then, friends to you. Yeah, yeah. And three of them know one of them is like genuinely <laughs> concerned for me. I fucking start seizing out on the ground. That kid starts screaming, running upstairs, gets the other kid's parents of house we're at. And he's like. Gamers is having a seizure. Gamers is having a seizure. Like Trying the mom is coming life. down. Yeah, and <laughs> doing everything you're supposed to do. The mom comes flying down the stairs, and that's when we have to come. Like, uh, we were uh just kidding, and that's when we. Ha- that oh, they yeah. told my mom, and my mom's like, faking medical conditions is not fun. <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> oh yeah, hindsight being 2020, that is, I could have been getting like defibrillated. You know what I mean? Like, I like oh yeah, I mean, my friend had. 
something his sister had like an EpiPen and I used to pretend to like chase him. Not pre- I was what do I mean pretend? I was sincerely chasing him around with his sister's EpiPen until his mom <laughs> caught me doing that and was like, not only could you kill Josh, but you could also kill his like because then it eventually caused the, the death of the yeah. sister. <laughs> Like, all right, like, because you don't, like, put it back either. You know, you just, like, leave it, like, on the ground. Like, she really needs that. I didn't understand the severity of it. The other one we had was on our bus in middle school. We played this really fun game where we would Red light? Well, I don't know. What's red light? Oh, okay, no, you tell me your game, then I'll tell you about it. Our game was we would throw rocks at cars. (laughs) We would just throw them out of the window. And one time we hit a windshield, and I think it, like, chipped, or, like, there was, like, a, you know, the spider web or, like, the hairline fracture. And the guy got in front of our bus and like made the bus pull over and he got on the bus driver was just like, yeah, I mean, these kids are out of line and like let, he got onto the bus and he was like, who threw that rock? And this is the stupidest, but it was so funny at the time, the kid who threw the rock, he was like, Oh fuck. And he stood up, you know, good, you know, good man. I got, he like stood up. He was like, I did it. I should be held responsible. And then another kid st- and it was Spartacus as oh, we all stood yeah. up on the bus. Oh, and he had yeah. no what he just was like, all right, well, th- the next time you do this, somebody could die. And he was right. <laughs> this guy was right. We were wrong. But, you know. Oh, my football team, we got in so much trouble because we threw pennies out the window of the bus on the way to a game. And we yeah. hit a fucking pickup truck and the pickup truck followed us all the way to the away game and got out and talked to our coach. And the next day at practice or the Monday at practice, we got grinded to a fucking pulp, just like nonstop running. And and. I was like, this sucks. This is such bullshit. It's like, oh, if like I was babysitting someone now and they threw a, I'm a childless adult, but if I had like my nephew and he threw a penny and it hit a car while we were driving, I'd be like, (laughs) yo, this is like one of the few things you're not supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah, I got to put on this hat. I'm fucking 17. Like, like, it's going to be fucking radical, man. (laughs) I was, uh, this episode, whatever, it just becomes about like shitty middle schoolers. I was just thinking the other day about, this was insane that I did. This was like modern, like improviser me, like being born in front of me. This kid, <laughs> this was middle school, like middle school boys or anyone listening. If you don't know middle school boys, like they they're should feral. just be quarantined. Yeah. They're feral. Yeah. It's Lord of it's, the Fry. We're disgusting. Yeah. My, my, when my brother real quick aside, yeah, along yeah. Those lines, my brother had a second kid. His wife is an only child. His two kids are the exact same age difference. Him and I are. And I go, is your wife like no, the kind of shit we were doing from the ages of like seven through 17. And he's like, she's in for a fucking rude awakening. It's like, we were yeah. fucking creatures. You know, we would be like, my mom would leave for work and we'd be like on the roof of the house, throwing a fucking cinder block on a tree. Like <laughs> yeah, just do it. Like we was like, Oh, we should see what happened. Like just experimenting with vandalism and violence. Like <laughs> some of it was like, sort of cute and harmless like i had one time my friends and i we got off the bus early and we knew the way to break into my friend josh's house and so like we got off the bus a stop early sprinted to we like beat the bus to his house so that when he walked into it he got home walked into his kitchen all of us we had like a fake tableau where we had he had a new little dog and we had it in a big like pot on the stove and we were like grinding pepper over it like we and like (laughs) sharpening a knife like we were about to eat the dog (laughs) And we, we like we like froze, and then everyone like sprinted in different directions. And like, oh, I don't think we talked to him. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. That is fuck- all, 
Like that's cute, but then other stuff is like my friend. We were playing. Uh, my friend got Axis and Allies for Christmas one year. Hell yeah! And we were like, "Oh, this is like this is the real Risk. Like we've been playing Baby Risk. Like this is the real stuff." And we spend like an hour setting it up, and we call my. Fr- I won't say his name because he just he literally just got married, and he was like, "Hey man, you can't speak at my wedding because if you tell any story, it's gonna ruin my life." But <laughs> this, let's call him John. <laughs> I love it. Good name, John. He. uh we call John over and like, John, come on, buddy. We're gonna, we're playing Axis and Allies. He comes over, walks that he's wearing like a huge, like stewy t-shirt from Coles and like, you know, like uh, basketball shorts. He looks at the game. We've got it all set up. He picks the dice up, just shoves them down his gym shorts and like wipes his ass with them, <laughs> rolls the dice and says snake eyes. It's not, he didn't get snake eyes. He just like, <laughs> says it. <laughs> And we all just like sadly we pack up Axis and Allies, and to this day I've never played it. <laughs> it's over. Those stinky ass dice are still somewhere <laughs> at my mom's house. Yeah, that's really uh, well. Axis and Allies is a fucking uh, nice work. On oh, we're back. Ali uh, opened us back to tabletop gaming. That was a nerdy fucking. And wait, just to satisfy any tangents, red light. Uh, buses have one red light in the back and the way red light is is one kid gets on at the front of the bus and has to get and touch that red light at the back and you don't know who else is participating oh so, you know there'll be dorky kids who just won't get up from their chairs but some days you can get the whole bus to fight one guy and you do stuff where you like do the seatbelt trip wire across the you know where, like <laughs> it's across like old the boy aisle. Yeah, yeah, you like, and then you just gotta fight your way through, and it's everyone's trying to stop you, and eventually it's like four guys pulling on you, and you're like leaning to touch the red light, and the bus driver is just like, okay, four more stops, and I can go home for the day. I think if you picked any bus driver in America at random, and we're like, hey, we're like, I'll be a ghostwriter or whatever, like, I want to tell all. It would be the most yes. compelling book ever written. Like, yeah, what is the shit you've seen kids do? Like, because bus. Bus is that sort of weird in between home and school where yeah. there's like it feels it's a little bit of international waters. It's like <laughs> Mr. Yeah. G, Mr. G, the bus driver, just wears fingerless gloves and barely ever yells at us. So we can he kind of just like get the cool. job done. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like we're in the back with one kid with his shirt over his head, just slapping his back as hard as we can or whatever, oh, yeah. leaving handprints. We call it the stamp of approval. Leaving the stamp of approval on some kid's back, and it's like. But you get home and it's like mom and dad rules. You go to school, mom and dad rules. But there's that like 18 minute bus oh, ride yeah. in between where all hell could break loose. My friend, and when you're a, and if you're a victim kid, like it's scary on the bus because that it does feel like the prison where oh, you're yeah. like, no one's protecting me right now. No, see, I was a bully kid on the bus, so it was fine. Like, it was, oh, it, I it eventually was had to graduate to bully, like in prison. Or you, you die. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's adapt or die, bitch. It's like, right, they don't talk about how many kids just like don't grow up because they just like don't become bullies. You know, it's just like <laughs> over for them. <laughs> My friend Matt on the bus one time. I was now we'll get back to D and D one day, but like he bumped a kid who was like two years older than us. And the kid like stood up and pushed Matt and it was like, apologize. And something like snapped in Matt. And he turned and looked at him and said, kill me. He was like, you'd have you, like, I'm not going to apologize. You have to kill me. And the Fuck. kid was like freaked out and Matt got in his face. He was like, make it hurt. And the kid just like sat down and like, didn't talk to him. Again. Oh man, like, that's awesome. Only that's on the bus, fucking though. baller shit. Yeah. That shit only happens on the bus. You pull that oh, shit in yeah. school. There's too many friends around. 
Because the bus also pulls a lot of people out of their comfort zone. You have your at home, you know your you know the rules, the lay of the land. Right. At school, you have your friend group. You know, like the teachers. You can't pull the shit in class. But over at the ashtray, which is an area in my high school where everyone smoked and kind of was like felt like Amsterdam. Like the teachers were like, okay, (laughs) whatever the fuck is happening in that courtyard, we just ignore, and hopefully they don't kill each other. But like that that. But on the bus, it's like it's solely based on location. So it's not your real friend group necessarily. It's not right. A, a, it's not like teachers. Are, it's like there. It's just this in interim world you're part of. And it's like. Maybe you're trying not to get a boner. Maybe you're trying not to get in a fight. Maybe you are trying to get into a fight. Maybe you and your friends are fucking showing each other magic cards in the back and the bully kid's going to grab one. Maybe you grab some dorky Pokemon card from some dork. You know, like the bus just becomes (laughs) like this place where everyone is sort of like, and then you move to New York City and like commute on the subway and you feel that as a grown up where you're like, at home, if a stranger was had their pants down and was screaming and wiping their ass with a t-shirt in front of me, I'd kick them out of my house. I'd know what to my do. job. Yeah, I'd tell my boss and it would stop. But here on the train, no one seems yeah. to be asking this guy to stop. Everyone else is just looking straight ahead. It's like, it's a different world. It's like, it's we're only his here train for 10 at minutes. that point. Yeah. yeah. He, he's the one who's calling red light. He's like, he's yeah, he really is. <laughs> he's setting the tone for this train ride. And and everyone's only there for an interim amount of time. It's 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 not permanent. It's, so you're just like, okay, I'll live among I'll live amongst these kids beating the fuck out of each other with seatbelts or this guy smoking a cigarette on the F train. I'll just, it's, I'm My eyes are burning, but I'm not going to say a fucking thing until I get off. Cause there's nothing to gain. It's like, Oh, then right. he stops smoking, but you, your eyes are still burning and he's probably going to kill you. Like and it's now, not worth it. Even not kill you. But now he just is paying attention to you, which is yeah, that's so, like, worse. And like, yeah. And it's just easier to be like anonymous in New York city for your safety is just like, don't, you know, don't be that nail that sticks out. But then you find yourself like sitting, a guy's like slapping the chair next to like an unhoused guy or a guy going through a mental health crisis is like slapping the chair next to some woman. And you're like, this is the, this is when I should say something. But instead you're just like, Oh, just seven more stops. I shouldn't say anything. I'm getting off. And I'm barely, uh, I'm basically <laughs> off now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Lying yourself. Yeah. I might get off a stop early. Cause I like to walk. You know, oh, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, Metro tech. This is where I was going. <laughs> Hey, everyone lives near Metro Tech. Yeah, it's like, I love this place. Oh, I got to stop by Metro Tech on the way home. I want to I want to go to one of the 12 Dunkin Donuts here. <laughs> too real, too real. What So did D&D stay a part of your life? No, like, no. Cuz it didn't work in college. Even video games for me, which are now more a part of my life yeah. uh, than ever. That kind of went by the wayside towards like higher end of uh, high school years and throughout college. Like I'd play Madden with my roommates, but, and then I would play like computer. Once I was a senior, I started playing Diablo two and age of empire and all this shit in my room and got into like PC gaming and stuff. But that felt like I was finally comfortable in my own skin and being who I wanted to be. But there was like five years between like sophomore year of high school and like junior year of college. That's obviously way more than five years, but um, that run of my life. Oh no, it's probably exactly fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that run of my life, I like everything went to like trying to touch boobs or get laid, of course, and partying, and like that took over my life in a way that was so fun. I, you know, the it was Van Wilder time in the late '90s, early aughts, but 
What a shifting back into like, and I was like, oh, I really like gaming. Oh, I really like D and D. And now I'm so comfortable in my own skin because I'm 21 or 22 and have been doing comedy and met more people, more, more different types of people. Even in college, it's all like upper middle class kids from the state area, but it's not all Long Island. And I am meeting other people and people who are dorky or like, oh, you don't know who the roots are or uh, topical because it's been on my mind a lot lately. Got introduced to De La Soul and like not just the standard cool shit. And I like. And I was open, and all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, I know who I am, and I like got a gaming PC, and I was like, fuck it, oh. yeah. And De La so then, Soul is such a good soundtrack for that, like, oh, this is who I really am, like, yeah, because it's not, it wasn't at cool and mainstream in the '90s. It was, you know, it's, yeah. it, it would have been old at the time, but it and it would have been such a it butts up so hard against like the West Coast and East Coast rap that was happening in the '90s. Oh like, my god, yeah, it's so different. But when you're like a nerdy. Uh, a nerdy white kid in his early 20s being exposed to all that you're like this is kind of and you're a comedy fan you're like this is hip-hop and it's funny and it's weird and i it's good grooves and it's like holy shit and like like de la soul and the roots and all this stuff like struck me in the fucking head and i was just like i was like oh and that's not something that was part of my worldview and i was like oh what else am i like excluding because i i exclusively i think the pursuit of pussy is the like only angle sure. in life. And it's like, <laughs> turns out uh, you can play D and D and get laid. Like it, like, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Well, in people my head, tend to they like work. you much more when you are just like comfortable with yourself and yes, not just like yes, dying yes. to impress them. Like I had so much in like high school and college. It was like, Oh man, girls, I bet would really love it. If I knew everything about albums, like what? Like n- yeah, nobody not- gives a shit about that. And you're obviously picking these angles that are in your own uh, strong suit and wheelhouse already. It's not like, right. I'm like, girls might like this if I memorized Eddie Murphy Delirious. It's like, no, they're not. <laughs> and I think you just want to memorize Eddie Murphy Delirious and will use the motivation of maybe seeing boobs as the reason to do it. Which is so funny because it's like, I, I do think you'd find more success if you're just like, oh, yeah, I love Eddie Murphy Delirious and I and I memorized it. People would be like, oh, right on, man. Like, you know, do yeah. you? <laughs> right. But I get it. It is such a complicated thing pre-internet when we were younger, too, where you, like you, you had to like live fabricate who you thought you were. Like the internet allows you to be kind of like, I could post exclusively pictures of me at the beach and me smoking weed. I almost do. And people think that is my life. And it is 25% sure, sure. of my life. Yeah. It's a huge portion of my life. But back in the day, it was harder to like live. Like, you you know, you would have to like, I'm wearing a Stussy shirt, like or whatever. Like you would have to make yeah. these choices and be like, this is who I am. Now you can kind of fabricate it more. But now also in the mo- modern times, not just for me, but I think in society, we're a little, most people are a little more tolerant with weird weirdos. Like, there's just yeah. we're more aware of how weird people are and we're just cooler with what we think that's not for me but hey I'm not going to judge you go not go play ultimate frisbee dude it looks fun I play feel this way with it looks art. fun when I see like there's all sorts of art stuff I see where it's like oh yeah like never in a million years would I be drawn to that but like it is just very appealing seeing somebody like make something they love like yeah the, I, the idea of it existing is like heartwarming of like, Oh like my neighborhood and I won't, talk, I won't say which neighborhood, but my neighborhood in L.A., like, there's all these cars near me with, like, hentai stickers on, or hentai or whatever. They're, like, 
and it's just like, wow, these guys, they want to advertise like two things. One is like, I love to go fast and I love to jack off to cartoons. <laughs> right. I, I love, I love anime, dude. Like that's yeah. something that was, I was never really into and had a stigma. And now it's like Michael B. Jordan drew from his love of anime for Creed three, the biggest like, movie blockbuster yeah. of the year. And you're like, what? That's fucking awesome. Now I'm like, I also in my last couple of years, full disclosure, I've started getting into anime. I, and oh, what do you like? I got like? Well, here's how I got into anime. My friend, uh, former guest of the pod, uh, Cody Ziegler, who also a big anime head, we did an episode about anime, and I said, I am so desperate for sword and sorcery, might and magic type stuff. Do you know any anime that's in that world? Because I love martial arts. I, I, I like them m both more than like the sci-fi realm of anime, like more than Gundam and mech suit stuff. I sure. like martial arts anime. But then he was like, turn me on to Vinland Saga and Goblin Hunter. Oh, and yeah. I forget what the other one is called. It, it might be called Valkyrie, but it might be called something like that. Uh -huh. And it's like, they're all like sword, armor, battle, bow and arrow kind of. Even Goblin Hunter is straight up like a D&D &D pull. It's just like, yeah. it's a party where one person knows magic, one person is the Goblin Hunter. With uh, It's so fucking rad. And that, I was like so desperate for fantasy content that I went that route and I found it a lot of it through anime. It was getting that itch scratched. And then it feels like thanks to game of Thrones and so a few other things, fantasy, like the last two years have been like, unfortunately nothing really good, but it's been like sure, yeah. fantasy TV is pumping out, dude. You're getting house of dragons, rings of power, wheel of time, you're just getting all this God, stuff. Yeah. With like, and you're like big budgets and it's bad, but it's, I'm like, yeah. I, if I was 14, I'd be fucking killing to watch this shit because, like, you're desperate for anything, any port in the storm kind of situation. But, like, chasing fantasy and in over the pandemic or well, pre pandemic, I started getting, in, I did like a couple of half marathons and I started getting into oh, audiobooks. Nice. And then I got started re listening to all the fantasy novels I read growing up that are like for eighth graders, you know, sure. but so reading, listening to it, it, it goes down easy. And while you're running, it's not hard to lose focus. Well, yeah, and I don't have time for like themes when I'm like working up a sweat for sure. Right. It's like not the time for it. Right. So like reliving all that. And I was like, Oh, I like steeped myself back in fantasy again. So hard between the anime angle, uh, the uh, society uh, put, putting, uh, you know, 10 seasons of game of Thrones out all this shit. And I'm back in it so hard. And the one aspect that is not back is D and D. And uh, so I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but also, I'm a podcaster. There's D&D podcasts. I'm like, it's everywhere. I know. I'm like, wow, this is a Venn diagram for me. And I'm like, I got to just fucking get it. But now I want a D&D game that isn't for work. Everything I, I monetize so many of my hobbies. Yeah. Or I um, work a size my, so many of my hobbies that I want. I want to play D&D. And this is not like a naked, desperate plea to be invited somewhere. But. If you're ever just doing a fun like one off or something off off camera or some shit, I would be I I I might even I have a few friends I used to play poker with who are all kind of nerdy, artsy guys yeah. who are like, I'm kind of interested in D D and I I've never been a real DM. And I was like, fuck, maybe I write make a campaign and run it for like all rookies and like make the characters for them and everything and just like build they're all story movie directors and actors and shit. It's like this could be fun. And I'm like, that's my way back in. So I think I'm like I've been working on like a, my own one shot to like try to pitch. Like I'm like, oh fuck it, yeah, I'll just. And I mean, this might be like an me so much pod. joy. 
thing. Yeah, but let's, like, yeah, dude, let's do that. Like, that sounds fun, man. Because <laughs> yeah, I do this like for work, you know, and it's a, and I love it. And I, Jesus Christ, no human on earth has ever had an easier life than I. It's like, oh, I make a, a web comic about a swan, and it was based on me, so it's easy to write. And I do a, a comedy D and D podcast, and we do another Star Trek podcast, like, and it's all just comedy. I'm just like riffing, like, God, what an easy life and i can click a button on my phone and a man delivers me a burrito like what? yeah it's easy. what do i have to complain about at yeah. this point yeah yeah but you, you never know to listen to me that's all i do is bitch and moan but like <laughs> yeah i'm coming to Lars way more magnanimous than i am with my wife when i'm looking her in the eyes going what the fuck am i i'm a fucking yeah. loser and then i'm on the mic going my life rules free weed free D. <laughs> like oh wait my, my wife does my life does. my rule. father built things what am i doing like but like I would love to play a game where it's like, oh, the oh, it's not the onus isn't on me to be entertaining constantly or funny, right. and you know, like finding like the, the like sketch comedy moment in every single scene that we're doing. It's like, oh, I can just play the game. Like I've forgotten. I used to. I swear to God, I used to know the rules to D and D so much better than I know them now because I've been making a show for public consumption where it's like the I'm rules not don't stopping. Yeah, right. We don't need to do a saving throw. You, you dodge the fucking. When Joe casts hellish rebuke, I'm not pausing to go look up what hellish rebuke is. I'm just on mic saying, "What is that?" And then Taylor, our producer, just leaves it in because it's funny that I don't know what <laughs> right. hellish rebuke is. It's a very like that's like uh, inexcusable too. That's like an elementary thing. Like you should know hellish rebuke. It's like I punch him. What? How? What is that? Like uh, D four, dude. Th- this just reminded. Me. I had a friend. He 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 was a, a college lacrosse player. I a, a high school buddy. He's a MTA cop now. You can imagine the kind of guy he is throughout his whole life. Bit of a jock, bit of a bully. But he one time was like, "I want to play." We called it Dunkin' Donuts at school. That was like the one rule because we couldn't, we didn't want to say it and get bullied or. Oh, roasted. that's smart. It's like speakeasy rules. Yeah, so we were like, "Oh, we're gonna get Dunkin' Donuts after school today." And now someone's like, "Yeah, but my mom gets home at seven, so can we play? Can we get D and D? Can we get Dunkin' Donuts at your house?" All right, yeah, we can get. So my buddy's like, "I want to play Dunkin' Donuts with you guys one time." We're like, "All right, come on over, big jock guy," and he's like, "I I want to do it." He starts playing with us. It's kind of fun. He's always playing a fighter named Cedric <laughs> for some reason, named cool, for Cedric yeah. Sabalos, who I guess was a basketball player in '95 or whatever. This whatever year. This Hell was. yeah, to whatever he's working through there. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> And then one day he's like, I want to be the DM. And this is like, this is yeah. a story that is just activated in my head. We're like, you know what, Mike? I'm not going to say his last name. Mike, you should you should do it. And he's like, great. We do it. He's got the D&D, the DM screen up. We're all sitting there going, what the fuck? This, this is our goofiest, uh, least intelligent friend, least experienced with uh, sure. D&D. Just newest guy to it. And he's like, we hear behind him. He's like, you hear a baby cry. And we're like, okay. And he's like, I'm like, what directions is it coming from? And I hear dice roll. And he's like, uh, you're the West. And I'm like, what's he rolling back? Like, and he's just knows the pattern of what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, the idea of like, that's so funny. Like trying to fake the funk in D and D is like when all you like, like you're saying, all you have to do is go. Yeah, you hear it. It's coming from by the inn. Go to the inn if you want. You know, like yeah. you don't have to play any of the probability rules if you don't want to. It could just become a story game. But that that moment for me was just like, fuck, this game really is for anybody. He's like just making up his. And we had That's... one guy who's a stickler for all the rules, and like we'd always have to reset campaigns and be like, everyone's too powerful now. It kind of sucked. But 
That, that shit is crazy to me because, and I, there's like so many like old stories from D and D, right? Like early, like seventies, eighties, like D and D, where people are like, "Oh, dude, it sucked." Like we ran Tomb of the like Annihilate or like Unknown Horrors one of those, or whatever. Yeah, like one of those one shots. And my paper. character, I'd been playing him for three years. He died. It's like, yeah, dude, you're playing make believe. Just bring him back, you idiot. Like, yeah, like, resurrection. He loses a constitution point, or make another guy who's the same thing lie. but level one. Yeah, just play a different game and be like, oh, he's fine now. Like, it doesn't. <laughs> right. It's not real, dude. He didn't actually right. die. Right. <laughs> the stakes. We got to keep the stakes lot. Uh, the fucking game. Ro- Wait, I want to hear a little bit about playing with, uh, playing for kids, running games for kids. Because sure, that's something sure. I've been, I've been hearing more and more about, like. A friend of my uh, co-host of my podcast, uh, Ryan Stanger, his like his son is like twelve or whatever. He's like he was he's asking about D and D, and I'm like I'm like I bet you there's like young versions or like a, a kids player's handbook or a YA like it's not complicated like a stripped down version of the game. And he's like, oh yeah, I, and he's like, and I was like, but I, when I was like eleven, I was playing like the adult like the craziest version of like before they even thought to make it user friendly when it was like a drawing of a beholder on the book on the thing and then like gobbledygook like pages and pages of rules and uh uh numeric tables and shit like that and i was like so i think kind of yeah kids play a different so i I guess long front porch to a question kids play a different version what what is different about playing with kids versus playing with they play the same version as we the one i play they play because the thing about the game is like I'm sure this isn't what they meant, but like, that's what happened. Like the game is designed for like 11 to 15 year olds who have a ton of free time. Right. Like it's, it takes hours to do like a proper game and like combat takes takes multiple hour sessions to like really do a campaign and, and live in it, which is, I get that's why it falls off in your twenties is when you're like, if I had four hours on a Saturday, I'm sleeping in for two of them and Jesus, going yeah. to brunch for the other two. Yeah. I mean, I'm or I'm going. To, I'm picking up another shift. At a, right? Yeah. I'm well, yeah. Starving. I, mean, I yeah. can't. I got I got improv practice. Then I got a coach, and then I got to do a show. I have no no time for five hours of it's. Fucking so it's a perfect dice. game if you have a ton of free time and your rent and food is taken care of. Yeah. You know, it's like and so like they <laughs> they have time and they know the they generally know the rule. There's some things it's like that's ah, not quite how it works, fellas, but like. I'm almost never saying that because it's like a gr- it's me and a group of like five 11 year olds. And if five 11 year olds can agree on anything, it's you got to let it be like, real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well, the thing they can always agree on is fuck this guy. You know, it's right. like, <laughs> and so you just play into that. And so it's like, Oh, you know, if you want him to go somewhere, it's like, there's a big sign that says like, do not go to Goblin City or something. <laughs> right, like, yeah, right. Fuck you, dude. We're going to Goblin City. Like, That's so rad. And, are they into like the fantasy elements of it? Like, are people like, oh, I want to be like, there's a kid, or, is there a kid who's like, loves to be a magic user and another kid who loves to be a fighter or something like it's that? It's all over the place. They're, so I played with two different groups. And uh, by the way, both groups rock. These kids are like the cool, they're so funny. They're so cool. But one group is all boys. It's all like rowdy boys. And like, so I used to nanny and babysit and I sort of like, I'm a boy doing that. You know, I sort of like became known as like, Oh, I'm like the rowdy boy whisper, you know, like I can, yeah, like, yeah. I was one of those kids. I know how to talk to them. Like that's truly Branson, not to keep finding parallels in our lives. Of course. I was like, my kid is rowdy. Come over while I'm even home and play video game. Cause I was the older brother of two rowdy kids and a right. rowdy kid myself. So I learned how to like, not, in hindsight now it was the 90s i was like dealing with like spectrumy kids who was like oh 
if we get this kid just he wants to watch me play Rampage on his Nintendo and watch wants to watch me beat it. I'm 15, he's 11. He's having the time of his life. A match made in heaven. Yeah, I'm getting paid 15 dollars an hour cash from his mom to play Rampage in his room, and all I have to do is answer one million questions in a row. That's sure. It. Yeah, I got you. I mean, so that's so funny. And so you're in. You're not. You're not overwhelmed by these. It's not. It's no, not no. Problematic. Yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah. I remember all of it. I remember every time they're like poking at you or like challenging you. I remember doing that, and I also remember how like there's zero malice behind it. It's just what you you know. It's just like oh, I don't know about these kids, but I just like oh, ADHD. Yeah, ADHD and nowhere to put it. So I was just like talking to. I remember leaning on teachers like desks and being like, "Barbara, how's it going?" You know, like I was an absolute pe- classroom disruptor. Absolutely, of like of course. I, if you hear me talking over listeners of this podcast, you hear me talking over guests that I invite on. Imagine how I feel in high school, fully hormonal. I, I could see a girl's like underwear coming up the back of her jeans in the front <laughs> row. And then making her laugh is like activating some deep part of my brain. And I'm like, fuck it. Nonstop swings from the back row. Like, all right, send me to the principal's office. Worth it. I got a bunch of laughs from hot girls. I'm toast. Yeah. I'm a hero now. I'm fucking a martyr. That's what. Yeah, walk like- out slow. Be like kind of obnoxious about leaving and shit. I love that stuff. Oh, I'm like crying. I'm not. You have I don't no hate idea what teacher. you just did. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> I had a te- sixth grade. My teacher, I was talking. I was mouthing off so much. She took my desk and she was. We were like, but you know, like I liked her, but she took my desk and made it face the rest of the class next to her desk which was a huge tactical error on her part because now i have like a captive audience and i'm right. just like i'm her like andy richter you know of just like <laughs> weighing in on everything <laughs> like, that lasted like a day and then it went right back to you know but so these kids like uh like they'll just they just like to push limits in a way adults sort of don't because you know a group of adults who are getting together to play D, it's understood it's like we're, we took time out of our busy lives. We're not seeing family. You know, we're not at work. Like, right. We could be getting caught up on a prestige TV show that we isn't as good as people review it. To be, you know, like, that. <laughs> right. so there's like a, there's a little, there's a base level of respect for your time and the work that went in that kids don't have that is like sort of better. You know, it's like, right. I was running a campaign with these kids and they were like, this was when uh, the cyber truck got announced. You know, when he like smashed the windshield by mistake, the it's like, funniest fucking and it's bullet. Oh, whoops. And the kids all thought that was funny. So they were like, can we get cyber trucks? And so I had them like meet a genie and I was like, you each get one wish and I know what the wish will be. And so they all wished for cyber trucks. It's and so, so I gave awesome. them cyber trucks and they spent the rest of the campaign crashing the cyber trucks. They thought it was funny how little. And so like we had a uh, we made up a joke mechanic that like any damage they would like, all right, I tap the cyber truck. I'm like, all right, roll a D100 for damage. And like, the, you know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, you don't really get that with adults in the same way where they just like, they're just pushing the extreme. And a lot of it too is like, not all the kids knew me before. So they're just testing an adult out to be like, how far can I go with this adult? Right. And they don't know the limit is like, they can't conceive of what the limit even would be that I would stop them. Right. Because you, you're like, look, I, I, I'm getting paid to, D&D for you guys for two hours whether you get all the way into the kobold camp and uh, retrieve the horn or we just I I let you lead and we're fucking discussing the Cybertruck mechanics for uh, two hours that's fine if you guys are having fun mission accomplished right like but with like grownups, you're kind of like, all right, guys, like you, you don't need to fuck around, right? Don't you want to do the story? Don't you want to play it? Like, don't you yeah. want to see 
see what I worked on for you. But with kids, you're like, yeah. Like you take them to the park, you're like, we're going to play soccer. And the kids are all like, we, oh, dude, look, uh, a fire hydrant. It's spring. Yes. And, we just went, and you're <laughs> like, all right, yeah, let's stand over by the fire hydrant for two hours. Fine. It's like, yeah, glad I didn't. Outdoors playing. Who I'm not the guy who invented soccer. What do I fucking right, care? Right, right. Yeah, like. <laughs> residuals if you play soccer i'm not getting royalties fucking go, go yeah. <laughs> but it's the same like so both groups early on were like very into high fantasy stuff and like playing with that and then they both broke in like different ways and there's one kid who this kid rules he's in both groups and he's really smart about like oh i mean he's like good at code switching of like jumping from one group to the other because one group went really hard into sci-fi and this is the Cybertruck group and they like we just started playing lasers and feelings they just like we just like improvised into a spaceship. And then for six months, we were just doing lasers and feelings on a spaceship. And then they got bored. So they crashed the spaceship down onto a, fa- a new fantasy planet to play D&D again. <laughs> That's awesome. It That's ruled. so fucking cool. Yeah. And the other group is really into horror stuff. And so I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to run Curse of Strahd with you. And the kids were all like, <laughs> try it, dude. You'll never scare us. And I got like two sentences into the, the intro that I didn't even write for Curse of Strahd. And they were like, you know, they were like, you, like, like flamingo, flamingo, like using the like panic button safe word of like too scary, too scary. So on uh, the fly, it had to be this like, it turned into this like Dracula dead and loving. It's sort of just like, you know, comedy horror, like Nightmare yes. Before Christmas. Like, well, that's really funny because kids think they know what they like too. like, and they yeah, don't re- like, yeah, it's so funny in hindsight. You're like, no, I love horror. It's like. No, someone you like likes horror and you may yes. like a skeleton drawing. Like, you don't like horror yet. It's like, it's okay. But you don't know that. And then I'm you like, like okay. Halloween. A good example. Yes, exactly. A good example of that is I saw Clockwork Orange with some friends at like 14 years old. And my Perfect. dad had my dad had mentioned it because like everything in my life at that age, I saw on The Simpsons that Bart was dressed in a weird course, derby yeah. hat with an eye. And I'm like, Dad, what is that? And he's like, that's from a movie called Clockwork Orange. I'm like, is it like cool? And he's like, people, it's considered <laughs> cool, but it's really, it's kind of fucked up. And I was like, okay, can I watch? He's like, yeah, you go go watch that. You know, I'm like 14. I'm not too young. And I'm like, yeah, good for him. We're, we're co-watching. Our, like He took me to Terminator 2 in the theater. I would have been like 11 when that came out. You know, like, yeah, that's we, were, we were into action movies. Like, he... We were of the age where we didn't watch kid stuff if my dad was home. Like, he's like, I watch whatever I want. You could be in the room if you can shut up. You know, like, if you don't say anything about how much red wine I'm drinking, you could sit here for five hours. Like, okay, pop. Yeah, yeah, same dad. It was like, oh, it's it's hard target, dude. Like, just, like, just, (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) And we, uh, he told me about Clockwork Orange. I'm like, oh, that's fucking awesome. I went and watched it. And I was like, I was like a, I really was into it and I wasn't into the fucked up parts. Sure. I was into like how cool it was, the music, all the stuff that I now as a grown up, I'm like, that is my mu- movie taste. It's like, it's yeah, like, huge choice, interesting world, beautifully shot, great acting, all that. And I'm like, oh, so I said, dad, I loved Clockwork Orange. What else should I watch? And he's like, like solo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's exactly he like he was like, well, he likes fucked up shit. Okay. Last House on the Left is pretty crazy. And nice. I and that features like a woman biting a dude's cock off while he's yeah, forcing her to give him rough. head. <laughs> yeah, the movie's really rough. And I was like, oh. And even at, at 14, I started to be like, I should give my dad parameters of what I liked about Clockwork Orange. Bad. Then he recommends 2001 A Space Odyssey. I watched that. And I'm like, 
yes, dad, that's what I was thinking. And it's like, it, it took him two tries to get to another Kubrick movie. <laughs> like, I was like, What's the, just, tell me about Kubrick, dad. For 14, too, is like all the like cinema of the extreme stuff. And cl- that's all the least interesting stuff in the movie anyway. It's like, right, yeah. All the like the, the world building and like the set design stuff. Like, that's what's cool about the movie anyway. Yeah, especially like being a kid who hated the look of old movies because they look too yellow, too dusty is what we always say on action boys. Like oh, a yeah. movie, just a seventies movie just looked yellow and dusty. You'd be like, Mitchell. fuck this. I'll watch hard target again. But then you fucking like get into something like clockwork orange. Like everything is a cool choice. What the fuck is going on? And the fucked up shit doesn't even really bother you that much when you're like really, 14 yeah. or 15. If I'm being honest, like you don't understand. You're like, Oh cool. Titties are out. But now as a 40 year old, when you watch it and they're like, cutting her outfit open against her will with scissors you're like this is heavy like i understand context now i just rewatched the the pilot to south park like two days ago and i was like i was in third grade i was in third grade when that came out nobody there was no rules about south park yet so i was like cool new show you know like that show got taken away from me quickly as you can imagine but like well it's like that it's still early on in the animation era where it's like well it's animated so it's gotta be for kids exactly and it's like, like Trojan horse is the worst ideas into your childhood. The pilot is Cartman gets an anal probe. And like, oh, I was watching yeah. that in third grade, the just like laughing. Of that, cr- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> like what they put in his ass is enormous. That's it's, so fucking funny. It's as if like I was in third grade. It was like, you like cartoons? Here's Goatsy. Like it just was like so yeah. extreme. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that is really f- like, yeah, it's like, uh, the algorithm is off a little. It's like, oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, I don't love movies featuring uh, a, a nude female lead. It just happens in a lot of the thrillers I like. You know, it's like, this is like what, the ro- what happens now with kids with like YouTube where it's like, hey, you like Minecraft? Here's a three hour video of a fascist like dispassionately just explaining their ideology to you. I, like, know, I know. It's like four clicks away. It's like, uh, mining, slavery. Uh, slavery <laughs> was good. It's like, what the fuck? How'd we get here already? <laughs> Oh, man, Branson, the idea of running a DM, I, a couple of years ago, I went to Gen Con with the same group of friends, friends with this dude who owns a, runs a company called Dwarven Forge, which builds a lot oh, of these yeah. like, worlds. And they like, he was like, we did this charity thing where uh, a raffle where 10 players won the chance to play a D&D campaign being DM'd by me, the guy who runs this cool, this weirdo dude who runs Dwarven yeah, yeah. Forge. And he's like, my buddy, my other nerd friends are there. And he's like, you guys want to play NPCs? It'd be fun to be like live NPCs at the table. And I was like, this is like a few years ago. I'm a established uh, comedic personality. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. That sounds fun as hell. I got to just, and oh, and Gen Con, as you know, Indianapolis on Luke Oil Stadium is where uh, yeah. like, they refloor the stadium and there's a lot of games going on in there. So I'm walking into a football stadium, go over to a table full of n- nerdy people who have won a contest to play D&D. Unreal. And this guy who's a professional D&D like, uh, game builder is playing a game. He goes, you're like the king who's really like annoying and proud of himself. I'm like, should I play it like Donald Trump, like Trump's the president at the time. Right. And it's like, I'm, and he's like, oh, that'd be really funny. So I'm Donald Trump as this king of like, and I'm hosting <laughs> court, and they're supposed to talk to all the NPCs, like a Tony and Tina's type wedding. Yeah. So I'm having the time, and I'm like, I can't believe the, 
the fucking lane that I got set up in is like professional D and D. The most like craven fans who want to play in a stadium at a board game convention, and then Dude. also they have like a professional comedian pretending to be Donald Trump. And like, all right, I said the Kobos are some of the biggest, strongest Kobos <laughs> this side of the river. Okay, 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 okay. He's a good, he's a good Kobold. D four plus one. Do it. <gasps> Like it was just having a fucking blast, and I was having like, him know the rules is the funniest choice. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> What's your thaco, sweetheart? Okay. The thing yeah, about being the you president use your is, bonus action. Uh-uh. <laughs> Sorry, initiative. <laughs> initiative. I can't okay. do him. I can do because I, I learned to do Robert Evans earlier. So <laughs> right. my, my, I'll never have Trump because it just slides right into. Oh, baby, you had to be there. Yeah, I had to be there. My little file of pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, I'm not really a good voice impression guy, but Trump I can do because it is a slight tilt of my dad's actual voice. My dad, oh really? Like trashy septomy guy from Long Island. My dad's real voice was Jody. Clean your fucking room already, okay? Get hey, what are you doing? Get up, make your bed. Go fucking have breakfast. It's time to get ready. You know, like that's, that's just like one talk. octave down. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, eh, just one second over here. Clean your fucking room. You know, it's like I'm just almost Trump. Like media. We got to clean everybody's robes. Got to be clean. <laughs> like, <laughs> why the fuck I'm doing Donald Trump three years after he's been out of office with the hand? Like back to D&D, Branson. Those kids are going to. Like, that's a memory those kids are going to have for, like, the rest. Like, they're going to be like, when I was a kid, I did D&D. Like, oh, yeah. You're you're bringing something so special. The way I look back on my old D&D days, it's, like, so exciting that you're bringing that to young kids now. It's very, it's cool. It's very cool to, like, wa- be on the other end of that, you know, and, like, watch kids, like, like, oh, I can be funny, you know? Like, that's such a powerful, to be sincere for a second, it's, like, that's such a powerful thing to, like, watch that switch get flipped in kids, you know? Oh, yeah. Unreal. It's so fucking fun just to see a kid get excited. Like, that's so rad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and like about something that's like not hurting themselves or someone else, you know? Like, it's it's like... But also to watch kids, this is crazy about that age too, is it's it's where they start, they stop playing next to each other and they start playing with each other and like yes. building on things the others have done. And then like, it's bumpy at first for sure. And it's mostly just, you know, they're just sort of, cause if you watch like little kids play together, usually they're just adjacent. They're just sort of by themselves next to parallel each other. play. As yeah. They, as they call it. Yeah. But watching them sort of, it's like, wait, if you do that and I build on it, that feels better. And then that like people laugh harder and like, yeah. It feels and more then real. the second, the second someone builds on something you did Dude, and yeah. it gets better to in front of you and you realize it's not a dig at what your original choice was like, that's a huge thing for the ego. I work in comedy and collaborate a lot with people who still don't have that muscle. <laughs> like, sure. Who can't. Yeah. And like to see it develop in 11 year olds, it's got to be fucking rad. Because, again, like once you realize, hey, I'm just picking up the rake. If it hits someone else in the face, but because it's the two of us, it gets a bigger laugh. I'm sharing in the bigger laugh. It doesn't have to be me that gets hit with the rake. It doesn't have to be him that does it himself. Like that's such a thrilling little moment to see. That's watching them cool. like take the bait, you know, where it's like, you notice they're doing something funny. And so you're like, Oh, it's sort of funny that you're doing that. And then seeing them make the decision, be like, I'm going to do it again. Bigger is like, yes, yes. yes go. That, yeah, dude. And like, that's 
a lot of the skills I learned playing D&D, like even just communicating and math and uh, sure. comfortable improvising and, uh, you know, talking and thinking and, and answer like all that shit is like important to, I think who I ended up being. So like, that's a fun skill set. That's like theater adjacent game adjacent. It's it like brings in a lot of stuff. That's just good for youth development. It like rolls a lot of those skills in there, you know? And like, you hope that the kid just doesn't become obsessed with battle axes. Like, and it's like, that's, yeah, it's that's what they take away. Yeah, yeah. That what they take away from D and D is they collect blades for the rest of their lives. You're like, Oh, wrong guy. Yeah. Wrong. Uh, that, I was hoping you picked up on the collaboration and fun more than just weaponry. But honestly, like it's like, it's what you were saying earlier with like, if the game, if they were one game away from BDSM, like they weren't, you know, like, the, right, right. It's that kid was going to collect something dangerous <laughs> right, right. anyway. Yeah. yeah. Chicken or egg. The kid got into D and D cause they like, blades not because they didn't get it yeah, i might have been too late yeah yeah right <laughs> oh branson man this has been a fucking real pleasure man it's been what a blast to catch up having yeah me. yeah where can uh the shitheads the listeners of my podcast find you you know plug section of the podcast what do you got going on that people can tell them about rude tales oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah check out rude tales speaking of dd they got a dd podcast if you liked this it's it's very it's similar sort of just talking <laughs> uh you know it's it's similar it's the same it's where you get where you're listening to this it's you can listen to that there it's a, it's you know, a podcast right it's one of those like it's, please don't you spend all your plug explaining a podcast <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's all our time you never get to say the name or anything. <laughs> yeah root tales of magic uh we do another one it's a star trek theme it's the same cast but my friend joe runs it he's Unreal. He's an incredible GM. Uh, it's called Oh These Those Stars of Space. It's very, very funny, very fun. Uh, check out Swan. Go to swanboy.com, read my webcomic, buy my book, Hell Was Full. Uh, oh, yeah. Watch Swan Boy on, on Hulu, on FX. Please, I would really go a long way if you suddenly it just got like new good ratings out of nowhere. Yeah, give it, give it the high and mighty uh, bump. My uh, engineer, uh, Emma, throw the link to the book and the podcast in the show notes. So just take your phone out right now and, and click on that shit. Uh, Branson, man, fucking rad, dude. That, yeah, that hell yeah. Fun. Dude, this rules. Uh, check me out on actionboys.biz, uh, another podcast I host at Patreon, but uh, you'll love it. And then also check out 101 Places to Party Before You Die, now on HBO Max and True TV. Also... Keep your eyes peeled for some upcoming tour dates of one Mr. Gabris. Get pumped. All right, shitheads? Bye, shitheads! That was a hit down In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. <laughs> it's actually, it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> no. Somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to, like, see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Oh, there's a fantasy component. There's some sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. There's a nuke.
game in town. You wake up after a few years, and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. <laughs> what? I don't hate them, but I pity the roommate. Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action, boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now.